Hi, David Dennis here. Before we get started on today's podcast, I wanted to take just a moment to invite all the men listening to join us at our annual Kansas Navigator Spring Men's Retreat. This will be at the beautiful Crosswind Conference Center in Heston, Kansas, on Friday evening and Saturday, April 12 and 13, 2024. Our speaker this year is Mr. James Carter, the Ministry Director for the Kansas City Navigators. James is an excellent and dynamic speaker and will be addressing the topic, Making Disciples Like Jesus. Now, there is limited seating available, so be sure to sign up today at the link in the show notes. Complete information on the retreat will be found on our website at kansasnavs.org forward slash conferences. That's kansasnavs.org forward slash conferences. You won't want to miss this wonderful time of great fellowship, food, fun, and encouragement from God's Word. See you in Heston. Do we achieve holiness by simply trying hard to obey biblical commandments? And also, why should we pursue holiness? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today for this second of three parts on spiritual disciplines. These are just some preliminary ideas and 30,000-foot overview of spiritual disciplines. We'll address questions such as the definition of spiritual disciplines, some good reasons to pursue spiritual disciplines, and some not-so-good reasons, as well as some thoughts on how we should pursue holiness. Today we start by quoting Donald S. Whitney, author of Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, as he helps us understand the real purpose of practicing the spiritual disciplines. We must remember that spiritual disciplines are not ends in themselves. The goal is always godliness. Donald Whitney on page 9 says, The end, that is the purpose of practicing the disciplines, is godliness. He goes on to say, I define godliness as both closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ, a conformity that's both inward and outward, a growing conformity to both the heart of Christ and the life of Christ. This Christ-likeness is the goal, the reason we should practice the disciplines. He goes on to say, So while we cannot be godly without the practice of of disciplines, we can practice the disciplines without being godly if we see them as ends and not means. And that's been a challenge for me. I do my quiet time in the morning, and I check that off. I do my scripture review, and I check that off. And when I do that, I am using them as an end in themselves. But spiritual disciplines are simply a means to an end, not an end in themselves. Finally, to define spiritual disciplines or habits, I would just summarize them by saying that they are, quote, biblical practices that promotes spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus. There are biblical practices that promote spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus. So in answer to our questions, number one, what are we commanded to do when it comes to holiness? Peter tells us that we are to be holy as Christ is holy. We are to become perfect as he is perfect and mature. Number two, what are spiritual disciplines or habits? They are biblical Practices that promote spiritual growth and becoming more like Jesus. They are a means to an end. Number three, why should we pursue godliness or holiness? Why should we pursue godliness or holiness? 
What are some good reasons to pursue godliness or holiness? Well, first of all, I think in gratitude for God's sacrifice of his son on the cross. We thank him for the awesome sacrifice that he made in redeeming us who believe in him. Number two, we are to pursue godliness because God commands it. 1 Timothy 4.7 Number three, we are to pursue godliness because it helps us to get to know God and his perspective on life. In fact, in John chapter 15, in the story about the vine and the branches, John tells us, or Jesus tells us, I should say, through John, that we can do nothing apart from him. We have to be connected to the vine in order to produce fruit for him. And so to do that, we must grow in godliness and holiness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 speaks of being a faithful steward. A faithful steward. So that's the fourth reason to pursue godliness, to be faithful, because he has commanded faithfulness. And number five, they are a means to godliness. These spiritual disciplines are a means to godliness. And we previously looked at that. Well, there are some, there are three, I would say, not good reasons to pursue godliness or to pursue spiritual disciplines. First of all, self-justification. Self-justification. I know sometimes when I am able to succeed in doing scripture memory, for example, we did Colossians 2-7 Bible study years ago, and there was a couple in the study who had really significant difficulty memorizing the passages. And I remember thinking, well, what's wrong with them? They should be able to do that. And I was justifying myself for being able to do the spiritual disciplines and putting them down in my mind. And that was a terrible thing to do. So we don't want to pursue spiritual disciplines or godliness to justify our own uh, selves, to feel better about ourselves, or maybe to th- make us think that we're more holy than someone else. No, no, that's that's the wrong attitude to have, of course. Another not good reason is solely for the emotional sensation of feeling close to God. Closeness to God is certainly a byproduct of spiritual growth and holiness, but I don't think it should be the primary goal. Uh, in fact, one can feel close, one can have an emotional response to God and not even be a a believer, I believe. And number three, the third reason not to pursue godliness, the third reason we shouldn't pursue godliness is to prove that we're a true Christian. In other words, we're not sure if we have salvation or not, so we do things in order to prove that we are bearing fruit. Indeed, John 3.16 reminds us that the question of our salvation or spending eternity with God revolves around belief in him for eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we don't produce fruit in order to prove to ourselves that we are truly believers. We pursue godliness, we pursue spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits uh, because of these other good reasons, not these bad reasons. Fourthly, how should we pursue godliness or holiness? How should we do it? One temptation is to see the command, be holy as I am holy, and think, well, holiness means not sinning. It means having the correct attitudes and behaviors. And so we reason to ourselves, the way to not sin is to focus on the commandments in Scripture and try to obey them. 
I remember hearing of a person years ago who had the idea that they needed to confess their sins every 10 minutes. If they had a sinful thought, a sinful attitude, a sinful word, a moment of disobedience, they would set their watch or their cell phone every 10 minutes, and that would remind them to confess that to the Lord. And that's an example of keeping our eyes focused on the commandments or on the law and not focusing our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus as a way of becoming holy is contrary to the way we would naturally, our fleshly way of uh, thinking. From the fleshly standpoint, we would look at the law, we would try everything we can do to obey that and not disobey the law. But it's interesting that in Romans 7, verse 9, Paul tells us, I was once alive without the law, but when the law came, when the commandment came, what happened? Sin revived and I died. John R.W. Stott, in his book on Romans, page 203, states, The provocative power of the law is a matter of everyday experience. Ever since Adam and Eve, human beings have always been enticed by the forbidden fruit. In other words, if I see a commandment or if I hear a sermon that says we shouldn't covet, for example, we shouldn't gossip, we shouldn't whatever, my mind will be focused on that thing that we shouldn't do and I will be tempted to do that all the more. John R. W. Stott states, the law provokes our desire to do things we shouldn't do. Colossians 2 verses 20 through 23 say, Therefore, if you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men? He goes on to say, These things indeed have the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh." What Paul is saying is if we focus on the commandments, if we focus on the law, that does not give us any power to overcome the law. It's only by focusing on Jesus. Paul tells us that trying to follow the rules or commandments are of no value against fleshly indulgence. We must get our eyes off the law and on to Christ. What does it mean to have our eyes on Jesus? What does it mean when we say that? Two verses that help us understand what it means to keep our eyes on Jesus when it comes to spiritual transformation are 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Hebrews 12.1 and 2. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me read part of that again. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. In other words, being transformed into Christ-likeness from one level of glory to another one. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 states, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
And what's the best place to look to Jesus? In his word. The best place to focus my thoughts and attention in order to grow more into Christ-likeness is the word of God. Memorizing scripture, meditating on it, incorporating it into my life is the best way to become more Christ-like. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I ponder spiritual growth and holiness and how to achieve that, I often focus on the commandments, just trying harder to obey more. But we are told in Romans chapter 8 to have our mind set on Christ. Keep our eyes on the Master through regular intake of His Word. Join us next time for the third and final episode on spiritual disciplines on making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.